0: I just got three things to say. God bless our troops. God bless America.
1: And gentlemen, start your engine! Let's go, Husky
0: All right, welcome back to another week of Muskies on Tap. I'm your host, Gus Manty. Thank you guys for listening last week. We had a blast making the podcast about our opener. Had a great time talking with Jack last week and, and fishing with him. and So that was a good time. Thanks for everybody tuning back in. This week's going to be a little bit of a mashup here. We're going to start with a little bit of talk about Monday Night Muskie League, the, uh, the first night of league. Uh, then we're gonna cruise on into some Q and A, and right after that, Max and I will talk a little bit about our upcoming PMTT tournament in Madison. So everybody, stay tuned for that. We got a we got a good pot ahead of us. Joined with me tonight is Max Manti. How you doing tonight?
2: I'm doing great. We're recording a little bit later than we normally do, so <clears throat> uh, if I'm if I'm lacking a little bit of energy, I apologize. Uh, on the front end here but yeah excited for the week looking forward to getting on the road here heading to madison really excited to fish in the i guess my first pmtt of the, the year uh build off of what you were able to do down in kentucky uh, excited to hear about your monday night musky league night sounded like a good one and uh you know especially coming off of uh, what what sounded like a fairly slow week up there so yeah looking forward to chatting with you boys and uh excited to get into it here
0: yeah, me too gonna be gonna be a dandy it was slow but finally some fish were caught and we're pumped getting ready to go to Madison so and the other Muskies on tap member here tonight is Brian Eckel. how are you doing tonight Brian uh, I'm doing all right clinging to a little bit of life here I'm usually in bed
1: by now kind of an old man now so I'll pass my bedtime a bit here but excited to talk some Muskies again this week. Um, and yeah, you guys, you guys got some big shoes that you are big standards that you set for yourself going into this PMTT and trying to make it three straight, bringing home a plaque. So be curious
0: to hear what you guys are, uh, game planning for. It's going to be tough to keep our, keep our running. We're two PMTTs in with two top 10 place finishes. So we'll see if we can, we can, uh, keep that going in Madison. So, Gus, you just got off the water, what, a couple hours ago,
1: and uh your first Monday Night Muscle League of the year tonight, sounds like you kind of put a, a beat down on him. You got two fish in the boat. What went down out
0: there? Yeah, got two fish in the boat. Uh, I got both of them. Unfortunately, uh, my dad did not get hit at all. Uh We ended the night with zero follows, and... I guess you'd say I went two for four or maybe three for four, I guess. We we had a little mishap on one that was maybe a solid 25 and a half incher. So I knew that one wasn't going to count. So it wasn't too butthurt having that one lost. But yeah, it was pretty solid. I mean, prior to this, it's been a little tough. I mean, I've been doing a lot of exploring on some new waters. So that probably amounts to a lot of the difficult fishing coupled with east winds Really minimal winds, 85, sunny. It's been pretty tough, but there was a good breeze tonight. The wind finally shifted to the north, northeast, and the temperature just seemed cooler finally. So it seemed like fish were snapping. And and for those that are listening that don't know anything about Monday Night Muskie League or don't follow them on Facebook, they they end up posting the results every week. And, and this week there was 17 fish caught, which is on the higher end of a fish caught per week uh usually it's somewhere in that like 10 to 12 ish fish caught per week i think last year's opener there was six fish caught i think there's multiple times last year where there's maybe five or seven caught in a night uh so it was on the higher end what's up you guys only fish is it four or five hours in the monday night league Uh, five hours it's always uh four to nine p.m and then the last two weeks at the end of August are four to eight thirty because uh the sunset much much earlier.
1: And and was it you could go to
0: any lake in Vilas County the first week or were there restrictions on it? So this first week they finally changed it. Uh before the first week everyone had to go fish the Eagle River chain. Usually it was a cluster on on week one. Uh, There's still a bunch of fish caught on the chain. Tonight there's still quite a p- few people fishing there, but they changed it this year where you could uh where you could go out and fish any lake from any of the lake groups. So not exactly every lake, obviously in Violas and Oneida County, but it's all the lake groups. Uh there's five lake groups. You can you can find those on their on their Facebook site. But yeah, you could there's kind of endless possibilities there. So obviously I'm not gonna you know, for those who are in league know where I caught the two fish. But I won't I won't say it here on the pod. But come on, give um, them the name. For, those, for those wondering, uh, we were we were not on the chain. Hey Gus, can you
2: quickly just touch on? I guess you know how how is it structured? You know, you talked a little bit about the lake groups. Um, you know, how many people are fishing in this every single week? I guess kind of what the point system is. is, is and you gonna maybe just kind of elaborate a little bit on how Monday Night Musky League is even structured.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. So for those that don't know about Monday Night Muskie League, I don't know for sure, but I think it's the biggest league, at least in like Wisconsin or probably. I mean, I don't know where else people do musky Leagues. I don't hear about too many of them in other places. I know plenty of other places have them, um, but this one's pretty big. There's somewhere around 11 or 12 teams, I want to say, and each team has three boats uh, and two people fishing per boat. So six people per team. So there's quite a few fishermen out there every week. And to count a fish, they have to be over 30 inches. A 30-incher is worth 14 points. And every quarter inch over 30 inches is one extra point. So that's how they score it. There'll be obviously a big fish every night. There's, there's some raffles every night. And I mean, that's just about it. It's just people getting together and musky fishing. And and, uh, going to the bar afterwards and hanging out,
2: yeah. I mean, I was able to fish in it a few times last year and had a blast. You touched on the lake groups a little bit, so they, they put together a, a group of lakes each week that you're able to fish, right? And then you can always fish the chain if you want to. Uh, does, is, that, is that did I get that right?
0: You yeah, know, that's right. There's five different lake groups. I, I don't remember if that's including the Eagle River chain, I know. Three lakes is a lake group. They have all the lakes near Saint Germain. They have all the lakes near Sugar Camp. And they have all the the big lakes uh in Phelps. So let's hear
1: a little bit about how you caught the two fish. Um, what were the sizes?
0: And I might be wrong, but did you have the biggest
1: fish tonight in the league?
0: Yep, got the biggest fish tonight. That was uh 40 and three quarters. Uh I think it was the only fish over 40 inches. Which is pretty cool. I mean, it's it's pretty normal usually to not have too many big fish early in the year in league, but it was definitely definitely cool to come in and see that that was the biggest one. But the league night started um, at four p.m. and I got smashed at four o eight and missed the fish. So that was a <laughs> that was an absolute tough way to start out the night. Uh, it was pretty quiet after that <laughs> between what, what Dan that night. Uh, that was on a tube. I was on a ninja tube. That's I threw that about ninety-eight percent of the time tonight, and that one is that one got all four hits and the two fish. Were you ripping the the tube over
1: shallower weeds or?
0: No, not exactly. We weren't. We weren't ripping them like super super shallow. And for the most part, every once in a while, on one of my on the casts, I'd I'd count it down a few seconds and then. I mean, honestly, with the tube, usually in the summer, I'm ripping it about as hard as I can. But right now, I'm just kind of doing some pretty methodical up rips and pulls. Uh, nothing too crazy, really. I mean, it just seemed like the fish wanted them pretty bad. Every single fish except for the little dinker that got off boat side hit in within the first four or five pulls. So that you know that bait wasn't too too deep in the water column, and they were seeing that bait immediately and and wanting to smash it.
1: So where, like, to kind of lay out the line of the lake and where you were fishing, I guess, like what depth was your boat in and, like, were you casting to a weed edge or were you fishing more of, like, a steep bank?
0: Well, no steep banks. I don't know. I'm trying to describe this for the listeners that that may have fished Monday Night Muskie League and know where I was. Uh, in that case, I don't know if I want to give up too much info for them because this is a lake that I do fish quite a bit and it does get (laughs) quite a bit of pressure so i'm going to keep it pretty pretty basic i'm fishing weeds fishing a lot of bait Uh, a lot of the weeds stand up pretty tall in some areas and some of them lay down pretty low
1: which is why i'm kind of pitching
0: around and and letting the uh (laughs) weak (laughs) sorry dog i just can't do it
2: (laughs)
1: boo
0: Well, I don't know how much it would help people. I I mean, if I talk about depths, I could tell, I could say some depth, and then somebody goes and fishes a lake with a a weed line at four foot, and then somebody goes and fishes a lake with weeds out to like twenty feet, you know? So,
2: yeah, no, I'm just, I'm just giving you a hard time. Oh, here,
0: let me, let me,
1: let me rephrase it. Then, did, uh, (laughs) did, did the fish seem to be chasing bait in the choked out weeds or like the thickest weeds up shallow, like they were? over opener or had they kind of moved off the break a bit
0: they've moved off the break but they've found the best weeds in deeper water it seemed like that that was kind of a constant it seemed like to put it simply i've, I've been talking with other people around and it seems like the fish with the really really hot weather we'll kind of dive into this a little bit more later there's a q a so i don't want to talk too much about it but it seems like they pushed I wouldn't necessarily say like really deep. They just are not in the super shallow water, but they're deeper, but still higher up in the water column, if that makes sense. Because I mean, I was getting smashed immediately, basically when the, when the tube was in the water tonight. So even though I was fishing over somewhat deep water, the fish either saw the bait right away and screamed up after it, or they weren't sitting too far down. I mean, I was marking bait anywhere from the bottom to the surface we were watching them pop on the surface. So there was like, you know, no place where the bait wasn't pretty much. I mean, if there's a case where I see bait only deep, I'd fish deep. If I see bait only shallow, I'd fish shallow. But in this case, bait was everywhere. So it didn't seem to be a problem where those fish were fish were sitting.
2: All right, cool. Well sounds like you had a really good uh opening night for Monday Night Muskie League. Good start to the year for for not only yourself but your your team too. So that's exciting. And also a little good good momentum for for uh, us heading down to Madison. So hopefully we can kind of keep that going. But uh, with that said, let's dive into some, some Q&A. We got a lot of questions this week, so I don't know if we'll be able to get to all of them just because it's pretty late. Uh, we kind of took out we, – we kind of selected a few that we wanted to touch on. So, yeah, keep those questions coming. They're awesome.
0: But, uh, yeah, let's dive in. Yeah, sounds good. Let's dive into some Q&A. First off, we have one from – marsh lens he asks what's the best game plan for fishing these unseasonably warm days with no cloud cover <laughs> Oof. That... i think we we were uh, we were asking the same question over opener but i think we learned a little bit i guess <laughs> there's a few things that i found out over the past week it, it didn't come from boating fish but at least came from moving some fish And just kind of figuring out where they've kind of moved to because we got some fish in shallow weeds on opening weekend. And I know people are still catching them in shallow weeds, but at least the lakes that I've been choosing the last week, which I really haven't been able to fish a whole lot since opener. The fish have just kind of pushed out, as I was saying, but not necessarily deep where it's too deep. They're just riding a little bit higher in the water column, but out a little bit deeper because it seems like with this, I wouldn't say late ice out, but it was definitely like a, a week or a week or so later than normal and pretty heavy snow cover this year. It seemed like those weeds didn't get enough time or sunlight yet to start, you know, blooming up. It seems like there's some lakes where the weeds are doing better, but there's a few lakes where we're barely seeing weeds at all in shallow and that's making it tough for even fish to hold in shallower water so in that case it's kind of pushed some fish out over over some deeper structure in this case this has kind of happened really recently but i've started to see some pretty major mayfly hatches so anywhere where your lake's got mud or a soft bottom especially a transition from the the hard to soft bottom usually by like just like a drop off or just certain basins have better better mud uh than others that we found it's definitely a good idea to potentially start pushing off the break lines and pushing off the weeds a little bit obviously you're still going to get people that catch shallow and you're still going to get people that are catching them deep even before any bug hatches happen but uh what i am seeing for a current little report for those head to the Northwoods soon with this, this warm weather, there's quite a few mayflies hatching now. So I'd, I just, I'd keep that in your back pocket to uh, just be ready, be ready to start casting or potentially getting out the trolling rods. If you, if you, if you like to do that as well.
2: Yeah. I would just add too. I mean, from more so from a logistical standpoint that if somebody in your group is uh, kind of the designated sunscreen guy, make sure that they're, reliable unlike our boat last weekend uh <laughs> our designated sunscreen guy forgot to bring the sunscreen on an 87 degree day with no clouds <clears throat> brian yeah um, i
0: don't think so it,
1: just... <laughs> i don't think that would have been that big of a problem if we were catching fish but that, that really made it all worse yeah
2: yeah i'm like half a bottle of aloe vera down because of you so <laughs> thanks for that but yeah that'd, that'd be my tip
1: Wait for clouds would be my
2: tip. Pack a good cooler. Don't bring a twenty four <laughs> pack of water and leave it on the front of the boat to pretty much preheat before you drink it. Um, just a few logistical things. I think if yeah. you're going out for for a day,
0: those are all good good tips, Max. All right, let's move on to our second question. This one comes from Instagram user Fluff to Tough Running. He, he asks. Can you talk about bow positioning in regards to wind direction and how to best attack the structure? Um, I guess I'll just dive into it a little bit, kind of based off tonight, because finally we had a good bit of wind, and a lot of a lot of the luck that we had typically has been on and windblown stuff. Uh sometimes it's pretty good on those calmer areas, but when you're fishing the wind blown It's usually best to point the nose of your boat upwind so that you can keep your drift controlled and not have it go too fast. Because if there's a wind gust, you're going to get, if you're going downwind, you're just going to start heading one, one and a half, two miles an hour. Whereas if you're going upwind, you might just get halted, which is no big deal. And then you just kind of turn the trolling motor on a little bit higher and get going a little bit faster. Um, I'm trying to think of what else I could say here, Fluff. You kind of have it pretty open ended just talking about regards to wind direction, because I mean that can just be day to day. I mean, there's plenty of days we're out there and we're catching fish on the wind blown, or we're going out there and we're catching fish on the slack water. Usually it's if you're if you're fishing in the wind, that's when you're boat control is a little bit more important because you're going to get tossed around a lot more and you might get blown up on onto the flat you're fishing or you might just end up getting blown way way off of it which usually on the wind blown side that's not too big of a deal sometimes there's fish kind of sitting out almost waiting for bait to get blown in there but yeah I think that's I think that's all I got to say there
2: one thing I guess uh, I would ask you, Gus, because this question kind of sparked uh, an interest, and I don't know if, if this is what he meant at all either, but, you know, say that there's like a long extended weed point that runs like north to south, and there's a predominant west wind. So the wind is hitting the weed point, you know, pretty square on on one side. Uh, you know, would you be more apt to fish the windblown side of that weed bed or the back side of it is a day dependent? um i guess if you could share some of your thoughts on that just fish it all i mean i i'd like to hear what what your thoughts are there
0: okay yeah that that kind of makes more sense cuz i was trying to think of something like that in my head when you asked the when i when i was talking about the question before but now that i kind of have something in my head to go off of this this might help this might help answer his original question cuz it was it was fairly broad so maybe this might be something to help out but if you have a north to south point, I mean, just assuming there's weeds on it, so it's primary primary structure in the lake, it's going to hold fish probably year-round. <laughs> structure and cover. Sorry, Brian, I see you laughing over there. <laughs> um, but the windblown side is going to be the obvious choice for me on at least starting. And in that case, it'd start probably at the base of where that point extends out. Meaning starting towards where you're closest to shore and then kind of working where the point bends on out to the north and working that whole windblown side where pretty much, I'd say assuming maybe it's like midsummer, you're catching fish on weed edges, keep the boat off the weed edge, hook up onto it with whatever you're using, keeping the boat at a good, I don't know, 30, 50, 60 feet away, something like that and rip off that and see what happens. Usually that'll amount to at least a follow or fish or something. Cause like I said, windblown points are pretty awesome almost year round. Um, but if not, I would definitely fish the leeward side. We've had plenty of opportunities at fish and, and caught fish on the leeward side of windblown points. Honestly, that's tough for boat positioning. It's tough to say if you don't move anything cast into the weed edge on the one side and just go do the same thing on the other, because I know there's another way uh, Max and Brian, you know that we like to do this on one particular weed bar, which we probably should do more on others. Is uh, some people might not like that we do this, but we just run right up the gut. One guy casts off the other side, and one guy casts off the, you know, one guy in the east, one guy in the west, and you just kind of see what happens because you're going inside out. That's
1: that's what I was gonna add, like to kind of add to the question, if you know, if he's talking about substantial wind like if you're fishing in some gale force i was just gonna say to not worry too much about the boat positioning and just if i mean if you can't fight the wind because it's a direct cross over the weed bar to just let your boat drift across it and then putt putt back up to the windblown side of it and just drift across it again and just kind of 360 cast it like like the point you were talking about
0: yeah there's there's definitely times where there's a good stiff breeze where maybe you're not going too fast when you're going downwind and obviously it's it might be a little bit too breezy breezy to go upwind the whole time i mean sometimes you can keep your boat almost at a 45 into the wind while moving forward if that makes any sense and like the guy in the back of the boat kind of casts a little bit almost behind him, and then the guy in the front of the boat kind of tosses back towards uh the back a little bit because the boat's at an angle instead of a all right, maybe maybe I got to explain this a little bit better. If the boat's just running parallel with the shore, obviously the two guys, the two people in the boat are going to cast a little bit ahead of the boat right at the shore or something like that. Whereas if there's a really 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 big wind pushing up on that shore and you have your boat instead of pointed in parallel, you have the boat out a little bit 45 into the wind off the shore, but you're also still moving down the shore parallel. That's a good way to kind of keep your boat positioned where you're not gonna to go too fast because if you just go straight parallel when that wind's really pushing into that shore, you're gonna end up just getting blown right in or you're gonna end up going too fast. So that's kind of a good little trick to point the boat upwind and and keep the and keep the boat moving at a slower speed. I guess this sparked another one in my mind about if you're fishing a more ambiguous weed area or just some, bay and a lake that has just kind of stuff everywhere you can just kind of like go upwind cast all over the place and then just kind of drift all the way back downwind move down a little bit go all the way upwind and then just let yourself drift drift all the way back down and you can cover quite a bit of water doing that i guess two
2: two points i'll add to the wind discussion here because we're just going on i got brian throwing his hands up the two things (laughs) that I was just going to say is one is keep an eye on what the predominant wind has been leading up to your trip. Uh, I know I hear Gus talk about that a lot, that if there's been, you know, three or four consecutive days and it's been a Southwest wind, and then on Saturday it switches to an East wind or a North wind, there's a good chance that a lot of those fish still might be kind of piled up on shorelines that that wind had been prevailing on the previous week. I don't know if you agree with that or not, Gus. I do. I
0: think, Yeah.
2: Oh, and then I was just going to say, secondly, if you're the person when you were talking about Gus and I just I'm saying this just from personal experience uh, because I've been, you know, someone that's that's had to be on the side of the boat that you're throwing into a wind. And if it's a strong wind, um, just pick, you know, really wind friendly baits. You know, if you're there's no need to try to hit the high cut when you can just kind of hit the low draw with with a little bit of heavier bait. You know what I mean? So it, it it's just one of those things where you don't need to fight it and make sure you're still being able to actually cast properly. Um I'd say I just kind of learned that from experience. If if I'm throwing a lighter bait, you know, I switch it up to something a little bit more compact and, and heavier.
0: Yeah, and another thing with wind direction and and all that for Fluff's question is I I'd, I'd recommend probably not trying to toss baits as hard as you can into the wind. <laughs> so... All right, I'll just add
1: one more thing here about wind. No, I'm just kidding. We, we can go to the next question.
0: I'm good with that. We kind of rambled a little bit too much about wind there. Our next question from Instagram comes from Instagram user Gil Andrew R. I know this comes from Andy Gill. He asks, how bad are the mosquitoes? And Ooh, I know we I'll talked about one. how bad. What's that? I
1: said I'll take that one at least from opener.
0: Oh, dude, I was about to say that I know you guys got to experience it on opener. It's gotten worse. (laughs) Oh, no. So, not good.
2: I'll quickly add, you know, to the same guy that's designated to bring your sunscreen uh, was also designated to bring the bug spray in our boat as well. So, just make sure whoever's bringing the essentials is trustworthy, Brian, Um, because we were pretty ill-equipped one day in that regard of sunscreen and bug spray. So yeah, just keep a bountiful amount of containers of off in your, uh, in your boat this summer, or at least right now, that's for sure.
1: Well, we, we even had uh Jack brought like some African safari grade lotion and uh, it kind All of right. worked, but I mean, when you're trying to fend off 200 mosquitoes around your head, a few are bound to slip through the cracks. So
2: I, I honestly thought you were going to just take a nose dive into the water that one night when they were eating you alive, I turned oh back God. just freaking out.
0: <laughs> All right, let's move on to our next one. And that comes from Ben Seidel. He's asking, he's got a long weekend up North. I believe he told me it's this weekend. And he's also kind of talking about the recent warm spell and He's pretty much asking about the patterns, if they've kind of altered it all. And I would say for you, Ben, I, I kind of just touched on it earlier. We talked about a little bit of looking at, at the mud because there's, I mean, really there's just going to be more and more bug hatches happening despite if there's any going to be any colder weather coming. Uh, I'll take a look at the forecast really quick. Luckily tomorrow, which is going to be Tuesday the 6th, We got a nice little cold front finally coming in high of 75, which is really not that cold. Um, But at least low 42 for for Wednesday morning. And it looks like Thursday morning is getting down to 38. So that's that's some good news. We got north northeast winds, which it doesn't matter what the weather forecast says about north winds. They could say five miles an hour. They could say 20. It doesn't matter. Whenever it's a north wind, it's always about 25, 30 anyways. So finally, we're going to get some mixture of the water. and I think fishing is going to be pretty good because it looks like we have another storm coming this weekend that's bringing potentially some rain and some more cooler temps. So I would just look for your dominant weed, weed bars, weed patches, anything that's got green weeds written all over it, I would hammer those and if that's not working or switch do like one or the other, go hammer a good weed bar and then go out and fish some mud Then go hammer another good weed spot Then go out and fish some mud. Um, this is just coming from assuming you got, you know, lakes with dominant amounts of weed. If you got rocks, obviously don't overlook rocks. Uh, some lakes got more than others. And if there are cold fronts coming, rocks can be a pretty good, pretty good spot to catch fish on if it's sunny and still holding heat. So those are, those are some quick tips right there.
2: I know uh, just seeing a few of the pictures from our Minnesota friends from their opener this past weekend and, and listening to some of how those guys fish in June, it sounds like they're really, they kind of work a predominant open water bite. Um, do you think that that is going to be happening here within the next few weeks in northern Wisconsin where, you know, most of those fish are going to be out over open water, regardless of bugs or not? Or do you think it's just kind of the same game plan of what you just said?
0: I mean, I think it's going to be a little bit of both. Uh, those females are pretty post spawn now. Obviously, I mean, with the water temps increasing so much and the seasonality is just jumping, jumping ahead up here. Um, I think it's going to be a combo of those females looking to recoup, which is usually going or it's going out to deeper water, not necessarily lower in the column, but deeper water because that won't fluctuate as much. And I know those. Females like to stay in water that doesn't change so much, and that open water usually just just so happens to collide with bug hatches that have already started up here. And I know they're just going to continue to keep on going because that significant bug hatch that happens up here has pretty much started now, or usually starts in these first, you know, second or so week of June, and then kind of leads up into late June. Sometimes in the 4th of July, it's all depending on where you're fishing. I mean, if you're only fishing deep clear lakes up here, it might go later. If you're only fishing shallow stained lakes that are small in size, that might end earlier. But it seems like those Minnesota guys really put a hammer on them definitely throughout June and definitely into later June. And typically with Minnesota, it seems like they got slightly cooler temps, uh, a little bit later ice off so if they hammer them in late june open water it's probably going to be really good for wisconsin here like mid mid to late june seems like they're always just like a little bit potentially behind um i mean i don't know too much i might be just talking out of my ass there because I've, I've never really fished minnesota ever but if somebody's got more input on that I'd, I'd love to hear hear somebody uh give me a message or something i'd talk a little bit more about open water if we could because that's that's probably going to be the dominant fishing that we're going to be doing over the next few weeks so hopefully that answers your question ben um just just be ready to be nice and nice and versatile just go go cast potentially some open water stuff maybe if you've never hit it before or or where you're fishing so it's all worth a it's all worth a shot All right, our next question comes from user Eric Weinrich. Hopefully I pronounced your last name right. But Eric asks, any fundamentals or thoughts on deeper water slash open water, casting, not trolling? So I'm thinking he's asking kind of what we've just touched on on how to cast it or approach it in that sense. Really what comes down, when you're going to cast, you really, really want to dial in on where those dominant bug hatches are happening and where you're seeing bait. If you're not able to troll at all, or at least go around, you're you're not going to mark stuff right away. And if you just go start casting open water just out of the blue, uh, it might be tough at first. And I know fish usually ride higher in the water column here, higher in the water column here in early and mid to late June and all that. But don't be afraid to count your baits down a little bit, especially if you're fishing really, really clear water. I know there's some places that we like to toss out rubber and do countdowns and then rip it back so that your bait's always in the strike zone. You're pretty much doing like what you would be doing trolling, where you're keeping their bait always at the same depth. If you just kind of like cast your bait out and then work it down, it's going to kind of work like a... I don't know, a U or a half circle. It's going to start shallow and then the bait's going to get deeper and then it's going to ride right up to the boat. So if you do some countdown lures, um, which is another lure in particular that I'm excited to use this year, and I know for sure Max is as well, is uh, the Mini Grenade by Musky Mayhem. Um, It seems like that that first grenade that they put out there did really well. Uh, I never got my hands on any of those, but... We got two from the show of the mini grenades, so I'm excited to use those to count down in open water and clear water fishing.
2: Yeah, I guess the only thing I would add there, Gus, you know, good job answering that question. The only thing I'd add there is if you're fishing that bug hatch and you're seeing the, the bugs, um, you know, call it if they're in over fifteen foot mud basin and they're you know, you're seeing you're seeing the bugs all the way up to five feet down on your on your uh, electronics you know, those muskies are going to feed up and so don't be afraid to kind of keep that bait positioned you know at the bug line or above the bug line I guess more specifically and then I think for more of that clear water it seems like we've had our best success when we're kind of keeping our uh, retrieves below kind of that visibility line so if you have you know you're on a clear body water and The lake has about seven or eight feet of clarity, you know, trying to keep that bait below that, that kind of line uh, of visibility uh, would be, I guess, the two, two things I would just add, add there.
0: Well, that also brings up a fish that I was able to move this past weekend that kind of pointed me in the right direction to start looking at mud on pretty much every lake that I went to, whether it be new or a lake that I do know is I was fishing the, the dominant north end weed section uh you know where you find post-spawn fish a lot but with the big heat up i mean i wasn't too confident with it It wasn't moving anything but i did see so here i got two things here i did see a loon out there so that's what kind of drew me to start bringing my boat out further and i started going towards that loon and i started seeing my boat drop deeper and deeper and then the weeds left and then i got out to the loon And I was probably a good cast and a half to two casts off the weed line, in slightly. It really wasn't like that much deeper than the weeds, but I was just out from there, and it was just primarily mud. And I started picking up a little bit of bugs, a little bit of bait, and that's when I moved a big female that was probably a good forty-six to forty-eight incher, and that just kind of like sparked a light bulb in my head. I'm like, oh, this is this is already happening. This is why it's been. Pretty tough and in, in the weeds on some lakes compared to others is that there might there might have been a pretty big push of uh, fish out into open water recently. So I would definitely keep your eye on loons because they're gonna know where that bait is before you even do or are able to look at your your depth finder. All right, here's another question. We got another one from Sad Boy Musky Club. Shout out, Sad Boy. He's got a good one yeah, here boy. for all of us. Yeah, and he's asking, top three bucket list musky destination. Oh, man. I haven't really been given this uh, much of a thought. So, What's I that? I wish it
2: wasn't so late. I feel like we could talk about this. I said, I wish it wasn't so late. I feel like we could talk about this, planning out future destination type trips on this question. No. But I'm excited to hear what your thoughts are.
1: Top three musky des- destinations. I guess I haven't been to Canada and I don't know I guess Eagle Lake's probably the most famous one up there but I mean really anywhere in Canada um, seems kind of like a cheat code in musky fishing so that'd be number one. Um, I guess barely number one. Number two though, Lake St. Clair um, seems like that's kind of the pinnacle of uh, musky fishing destinations and then Number three. That's gonna be tough. And uh I'm I'm gonna say this one not necessarily because I'm guaranteed to catch a wall mounter. Um and we have been here once before, but it looks way too juicy, and I want to fish it again, and that'd be the chip wall flowage.
0: Ooh, I like that one.
1: So I, I don't know if you guys want to say no repeats here, make it really tough on you, but uh what do you got,
0: Max? Let's let's try maybe. You're allowed one overlap just because right. it could be tough.
2: Okay, I'd say, well, one of them we're lucky enough, we're going to, Gus and I are going there later in the summer. Uh, Lake Vermilion, I've always wanted to fish there. I see Gus snapping his fingers because I just took one of his. I am fired mm-hmm. up to fish, fish that, that body of water. Um, ever since I moved to Minnesota, a lot of people have talked about it. Not even people that musky fish, just people that go up there and like vacation and stuff. They always talk about how cool it is. I don't know. I don't, I've never fished a, uh, for muskies in a lake that size before. I think it's like 40,000 acres. And we got, you know, I think five days to go up there and fish it. A day and a half of that's going to be a, a you know tournament. But I know Gus and I are going to take our time up there and, and really do a lot of fishing and kind of use it as a trip. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. That's that's on my bucket list and lucky enough to be able to check that off this year, granted that the trip goes well. So I'd say that that's on there. Second, um, I would really like to do the whole like southern uh river, West Virginia, Tennessee deal. Um, I don't know any like specific rivers, I guess, or bodies of water down there. I, I probably should have done a little bit more research. But just seeing some videos on YouTube, stuff like that, I really appreciate the kind of mountainous scenery. So um, that would be kind of cool just as a change of pace to go do something like that. And then, yeah, I think third for me would either be, you know, like a Lake of the Woods trip or an Eagle Lake trip. Go out there and kind of see, you know, what that buzz is about. I've, I've heard it's just gorgeous up there and kind of the same deal where there's just so much water to fish. You know, it's less pressured, less people up there compared to what we're used to. So, yeah, I think that would probably be my top three.
0: I think I'm going to use my one overlap here with Lake Vermilion because that one is just easily, easily on my list for a while. And and I'm really pumped, like Max said, to go there for the PMTT. So that's going to be a blast. No matter what the outcome is, I think it's going to be a great time fishing. Um, Our dad's joining along, too. So it's pretty much just going to be like a half vacation, you know, and then the one and a half days of tournament fishing. So that I'm super pumped for another bucket list musky trip, which this one would probably be a little bit more of a grueling task for Canada. Cause I know a lot of people do go to Eagle and Lake of the woods and Laxol and all that, just to go catch a whole bunch of them and obviously have opportunities at plenty of four foot plus size fish, but one that I'd really like to try is get out, do a whole week at Georgian Bay where they have probably some of the absolute biggest muskies where it's still just super, super tough fishing. I mean, you always hear about some of those Some of those places can really beat you up and you won't see a muskie for days or something like that. I know I know. we've enjoyed watching some of those video, videos that Kyle Garon, I, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, he puts out. Slobland flicks, that's it. Slobland? Yeah, Slobland. Yeah. He's got that's some that's ins- probably yeah.
2: one of the funniest musky videos on YouTube.
0: Yeah, he pre- Yeah, that's some of the best content. Those videos are insane. They're just casually pulling in 57 and a half by like 27-inch fish. They're like, Yep, here's another fish over 55 here that we got this fall. And it's like, holy shit, that's that would be insane to hold a fish like that. That's going to leave it pretty tough for me to pick a third one. I think the last bucket list muskie trip would probably be something related to a really scenic river. Um, I don't know that many around here super well at all. I haven't really fished many, but it would be really cool to find one somewhere in Wisconsin or the UP and just kind of take a float trip. Um, It would probably have to come with a, different style of boat which we we do not have but if i could do that if i could do that sometime in my life that would be that would be pretty cool to kind of do a a camping multiple day and night river trip and just floating out in the middle of nowhere where there's nobody around you or probably not have been that many people at all so that would be that would be a cool one to do all right, we got our last question of the night here, and that comes from T Brew77. What's up, TJ? What's up, Bruce? All right, he asks, Is it difficult to sit in a boat for 12 hours with Brian? If so, would love any further insight.
1: Is that question rhetorical? I, I love getting the weekly question from the clown himself when he tunes in.
2: Simple terms. Yes, but it is very entertaining.
0: I think I agree with that.
2: (laughs) We've done many, many trips now over the last few years. You know, whether it was sleeping in our cars in Hayward or doing three-day kind of musky benders like we did over Memorial Day for opener. We spent a lot of hours in the boat together, us three. And uh, man, oh man. I I think my favorite, I guess, of of the whole deal is like on hours seven or eight or nine, uh, especially if the fishing's been slow, the types of conversations that end up happening and the ideas that start spewing out of Brian's mouth are <laughs> always just cracked me up. <laughs> I can't. It's oh. hard to get into specifics because I can't really
0: talk about the You yeah, so. can't do that.
1: Yeah, Yeah, we we get, uh, when we do go uh, eight plus hours out of fish, we have to find a way to stay entertained and sometimes our convos can get pretty entertaining and uh, slap happy. So uh, that usually comes on after our two hours of quietness, trying to, trying to deal with the poor fishing.
2: Brian, I'll ask, so I'll, I'll, I'll give you a lifeline here. You know, what, what is it like? What's it like fishing, uh, you know, on the boat for 12 hours with Gus and I, what's your least favorite thing about it? Let's give the people what they want. <laughs>
1: uh, least favorite thing. Yeah. Um, you know, it's probably when, uh, you know, when the fishing's great, I mean, there, there's nothing to complain about, but when, when we go through a dry spell, it seems like, uh, each of us have a different idea of what we should be doing and what we should be trying next and uh, then it's usually just each of us throwing white jabs at each other for the next like two hours or until we see a muskie again about how we shouldn't be doing what we're doing <laughs> so <laughs> that's also kind of the funniest part too
2: Brian's like Kendall Roy from Succession where he's just like constantly trying to overthrow Gus from controlling the boat <laughs> And having all the power of where we fish <laughs> and and how we're fishing, and he just fails every single time.
1: I don't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say fail. I mean, <laughs> it's it's uh, it's one of those things where you don't know until you try. And uh, I like to play devil's advocate. And when when we're not catching fish, I don't think it's a bad thing to do.
2: No, nah, you're right. it's good to have a melting pot of ideas. I guess you know. All jokes aside. Wouldn't want to spend any, any. Uh, I wouldn't want to spend 12 hours in the boat with anyone else.
1: Oh, jeez.
2: And I'm excited that we get to spend 15 hours in the boat in three weeks from now when we're fishing in a tournament. <laughs> so I'll <laughs> be really curious. We've touched on conversations we're having seven and eight hours into just a fun trip. But if we're in a tournament and hmm. uh, we put a few bucks in there to be there. Be curious to see how those that dialogue shapes up, but that I don't think that's going to be the case. I think we're going to be, I think we're going to be on top of it that weekend.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. uh, I'm sure trolling motor situation will be pretty interesting since neither of us have really had practice in the last few years. But uh, we'll (laughs) battle. We battle. Let's let's just hope it's not windy. (laughs) Anything left? uh, Anything you want to add here before we wrap her up?
0: Yeah, real quick before we head out, um, Max and I can touch on about our Madison PMTT this weekend and just a quick little game plan. Obviously, don't want to talk too much about it because, well, really, we don't exactly know what we're doing quite yet until we get there. And I don't want to give away too much because this is going to come out before the PMTT. But uh, pretty much we're going to do a mixed bag of some scouting around, checking out weeds, checking out just different areas and kind of mapping it out along with a little bit of trolling here and there and pretty much just cover water uh hopefully mark some fish uh I'm not sure how much fishing we'll do we might do I mean obviously when we're trolling if you get one you get one but not exactly sure how much casting we're gonna do uh we might do a little bit here and there because you know just why not but yeah I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm going down this Wednesday afternoon. I'm gonna have some buddies from Madison hop on the boat that night, and we're just gonna do a little trolling, and hopefully, hopefully get some muskies for uh, some of my buddies that either you know don't musky fish or haven't in a while, or or don't do it super often. So hopefully that goes well, and then and then Thursday and Friday are just gonna be all scouting days.
2: Yeah, excited, uh, excited to rip it up. Hopefully, never been on Madison before, so it'll be a whole new experience always fun fishing new water so i'm excited
0: yep i'm pretty pumped for that new water for both of us and next week's podcast we're going to be pretty much just talking about the entire pmtt and how pre-fishing and the tournament went so stay tuned for next week that'll be that'll be hopefully a good podcast hopefully everyone hears some good news from us here at muskies on tap
2: Oh, and actually, Gus, we do have some uh, pretty exciting guests coming up here over the next few weeks, so I'm also looking forward to that as well. So you don't have to just listen to us three idiots ramble on every single week. Um, and lastly, Brian,
1: what's your prediction for the week for Gus and I? Um, How much faith got in the kids? I'm gonna I'm gonna call your placement. Uh, oh. I'm gonna say a heartbreaking runner-up finish. Wow! Whoa. Uh, and <laughs> in terms of in terms of fish caught, uh, you're probably gonna bag two forty twos and a thirty seven.
2: So I was just thinking about this. I appreciate the confidence, but I was just thinking about this. So we've given out uh two weeks of predictions now for fishing, <laughs> and I think we're four and zero on the under for <laughs> yeah. Season.
0: Yeah, We're we get total fish
2: and total total inches or whatever we do. So hopefully that changes around after these predictions. That'd be nice.
1: We're gonna keep reaching for the stars, yeah. Until that, till that tide changes, and then, uh, and then we'll get on a roll. Absolutely.
0: Well, sweet. Yeah, I love the confidence from you, Brian. Hopefully we can bring it, bring some hardware home again. That would be pretty awesome. But uh, before we leave you guys tonight, I'm gonna quick just give my socials a number. Uh, where you can reach me at. So you can find me on Instagram at Suggs Fishing. Uh, that's where I mainly post a lot of the Q&A, sometimes on Facebook. But you can add me as a friend, as Gus Manti on Facebook, or follow my guide service page, which is Suggs Fishing Guide Service. Uh, you can also reach me at my cell phone number, which is 920 264 3816. Don't be afraid to just send me a text, uh, give me a call and leave leave a voicemail if I don't answer right away. So, boys, I had a great time talking tonight. As always, look forward to talking each and every week. Uh, this has been a great, this has been a lot of fun for us to do, and I really hope that everyone out there enjoys it. Um, but before we say goodnight, Ryan, take it away.
1: Yeah, I just want to thank everybody again for listening this week uh as gus said super fun stuff for us hope you guys are able to learn a little bit of something uh from each week's episode but everybody going on madison this weekend good luck out there in the waters tight lines big fish get after it (music)